0: to another episode of me ranting and talking about myself because obviously i'm in melbourne alone and nobody to record a podcast with um so yeah what is happening Hmm. um yeah that's right i just wanted to reflect i guess um on something that happened yesterday um i guess it was monday and i guess i had worked six days in a row um and then i had saturday sunday full days of seminars uh on surgery which i might have talked about um and then i went back to work on monday just just like a normal day but except feeling really tired As the title of my previous podcast before this alluded to um, so I had a patient that is relatively well known to me and that's because I did her admission Uh, she's one of the first um, patients that I did a admission for so a pharmacy admission uh, which would include just you know talking to the patient seeing what medications they manage i mean like what medications that they're on and who manages their medicines like it could be the the pharmacy does the webster pack or uh, i don't know a carer or the daughter or themselves so and just asking them questions like if they have any trouble swallowing tablets capsules and um, you know and then finding out what is their best possible medication history uh, which means that we usually use two sources so uh, one source can be the patient the other source can be like their own medicines that they bring in otherwise you can get a dispensing history from the local chemist or if they get Webster packs you can get the backing of the Webster packs or Nursing home charts, all these kind of things. They're all different sources, um, and other other things that you can help use to help is like something we have in Australia called My Health Record, where some pharmacies and some GPs choose to upload their records online with the with the um, with the option of the patient opting out. <laughs> that did, yeah? So everyone's opted in. Um, unless you opt out. Um, really helpful sometimes when you don't know like what. Patients on, and uh, it just helps to give you like a head start. Um, so, yeah, that's what you do. You do best possible medication history, confirm the allergies, confirm what they would like to do with the script on discharge like, do they want to take it outside or they would get it done here, um, and just any like special requests that they might have. Uh, And so I did this admission for this patient, and I still remember when I first met her, she was very, very orange. So think fake tan gone wrong times like 5. Very orange, and it's not from a fake tan, it is from her having a problem with her liver, I think. Jaundice. (laughs) Pretty sure that's a liver. I'm pretty sure it's the liver, so she was orange because I think the liver couldn't break down something and it just turned her orange and it was very memorable for me because often when I see my patients on the surgical ward, unless it's something like you know bandage or like injury to the face it's not very obvious that they're sick Um, like on the outside it's, it's all mainly internal stuff, like gut problems and cancers inside and crap like that. Like, but for this patient, it was very noticeable that she was not well. Um, she was very orange, and I later found that out to be because she has jaundice and also some cancer. Cholangi- cholangiocarcinoma or something like that. Um, so she had her medicines with her i still remember she had a box she came in really late in the afternoon i re- like reflecting back i shouldn't have stayed back to do that admission i should have just you know just went home but being you know that keen being that i'm not now um i stayed back until whatever time just to do her admission because um, i felt like when i talked to her i really wanted her to be able to have her regular medicines, even though I'm not sure if they'll be giving it to all of those to her now that I've done the surgery um, seminar. Um, so, yeah, she had a box of medicines there, and I remember they, like very clearly that she, she had a little fridge box as well, like a tiny little fridge bag. Not box, but like a fridge bag. She was very prepared to come into hospital, actually um so i am assuming that she wasn't taken in by ambulance um so maybe it was a planned visit i was i can't remember now but um she did have her medicines packed neatly in a box um and it had and had the refrigerated ones separate in a little bag and she made it very clear to me that she wanted those ones stored properly um and i was just thinking yep that was one of my missions and i was like cool Um, I didn't realize how sick she would be after they had lots of investigations. You know, like, throughout this, she probably was there for about two months. Um, and then towards the end of her, um, stay with us, um, she wasn't orange anymore. And I I noticed that because she was walking around, she was you know, back to normal colour, high spirits and yeah so she was managed to, she managed to go home Um, and I thought that would be it, but how wrong I very am, how wrong am I, I unfortunately, uh, my patients come in our hospital, it's not goodbye forever, it's unfortunately because they're very sick they may be acutely well enough to go home once they deteriorate at home again they're quite often coming back to hospital and this is being one of the longest stay patients um, I'm a little bit sad that she came back in uh, not around two weeks after she got discharged so um, it's a bit disappointing Uh, last time she discharged I don't think we started her any on any new medicines or maybe just like one or two but we stopped like her blood pressure medicines we withheld her aspirin because we didn't know what it was for and then yeah she, now she's back and she's just not as well as I would have hoped like she, she came back in vomiting blood and also having losing blood from her stools so having a bleed somewhere in her, in her stomach I guess like in her can I think they found out that her, her tumour is bleeding and on top of that she's also got something called a stent put in apparently there's also clots being formed from that there's just so many complications and um I don't I I know it doesn't really have a lot to do with me, but... Did I miss something? Like... do we stop the aspirin and it caused the clots? I don't know. I feel like I, I, I'm not responsible for these decisions, but... Could I have played a bigger part? Like... And I guess I'm just talking about this because I feel like I have a really really bad case of something called imposter syndrome so if you don't know what it is you probably better to look it up (laughs) because i don't give the best explanations um but basically it's where you feel like you're not good enough for your job or like you feel like even though you're highly qualified and you are actually doing the job you feel like you're not good enough and you're not doing you're just faking it you're just pretending to be like you know pharmacist like sometimes i do feel like that and I i feel like that's really um dependent on your workplace i guess like some workplaces are very supportive and they encourage you to learn to grow whereas some workplaces they really stifle you and just want you to be fast and then they just put a lot of pressure on you to be fast 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 and that's where the mistakes happen and reflecting upon this, like I feel like this is a good reflection that I should do for my residency. But reflecting upon this, I feel like I really need to know. I really want to discover what you know. I feel like I've been thrown in the deep end. Nobody's really showing me what to do. I've just been learning on the spot, and I just don't know if what I'm doing is even making any difference. Like. And sometimes I feel like I discover something important, and I'll you know tell the tr- medical team, like the interns. Not only to tell the interns, but they don't know even action it. They don't even bring it up. So like, I don't know. What am I even doing? Like, what's the point of making me all these making all these recommendations? Nobody's even following them. No one's even listening to you. Like, I just feel so. Just, used and abused like people think like pharmacists are just there to deliver medicines and provide medicines you know like a lot of that can be done by you know the pharmacy technicians they're the ones who work in dispensary dispense medicines pharmacist checks it but when i'm on the ward i feel like the staff there treat me as some sort of messenger where i saw so my responsibility to look after you know, the impress stock, the stock that's on the, the ward, and, you know, my responsibility to fill up this drug that they're missing, or to get it from the pharmacy, I just feel like it's really annoying, like, how, how I'm being treated, and there's no one, I feel like there's no one I can tell about this, like, and then, as I'm talking about it on this podcast, I feel like, what is my role, and why does everyone think that, you know, I'm just, like, They treat you so bad, like they they force you to hurry your discharges up. And then they're always pestering you for scripts when, you know, I'm, I'm a pharmacist. I don't write the scripts. If the interns don't return my calls and pages and their pages, you know, I can't freaking whip up a script from my ass. Like, there's no point pressuring me when I am not the one, you know, that can write the script. Obviously and then they give me like minimal time to see the patient. I just feel I can't do my job properly, like <sighs> so like I mean I told my friend that I feel like I'm a messenger. Like nurses they always come find me to find to let me know what they want the doctors to do and then like I go to the doctors, relay the message, they get angry that I'm wasting their time on non-important things and then you know basically shooting the messenger I mean like oh I just feel like why is there so much pressure like on both sides pressures from the nurses to get the doctors to do things and doctors again turning towards me and telling me that I'm telling them to do that how to do their job that's literally what someone told me today like one of the interns said that to me today I felt so hurt like I, I try not to show it, but I was incredibly hurt. Like, I am not trying to tell them to do their jobs. You know, I, I want, like, I don't know. I'm just reflecting upon that, like, is that how I come across? Me telling them to do their jobs when I'm just reviewing my patients because I do care about them too. And I know that these intern doctors don't have time to review their patients as much as like I do. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe they do have more time. I do. I don't know. I don't know. They just choose to spend it doing whatever. But honestly, I've had enough. Like, but I'm only midway through. I'm Not even midway through my rotation. I feel like I'm just so tired. So burnt out. Like. And I think the reason why that's contributing to this burnout is that a lot of my patients are incredibly sick. They're sick patients and you know um when I walked in today literally I was facing someone dying (laughs) I mean like not I literally like did not I didn't go speak to the patient but literally like they've used up all the fentanyl in my ward uh cupboard for my (laughs) S8 drugs or schedule 8 drugs and like basically the Midazza lab as well. Uh, so apparently overnight, not the patient that I did the mission for, but another patient, she was a really unwell. She's literally dying, terminally ill, not for resuscitation or any med calls. Um, literally supposed to be transferred to um, somewhere to die, but... They were all worried that she would die in transit. That's literally how sick she was. Um, so I didn't know whether she would make it through the day. Um, apparently overnight they gave her about nine injections of like fentanyl. And I don't know how much medazolam injections. But basically I ran out on my watch. So I had to order a lot more today. Um but yeah, basically just death's door. Like, this is a surgical ward. I have never worked in palliative care. So I think for me, it's quite confronting um, to be faced with a patient, one of my patients dying. Um, I didn't know really know the patient that well because I didn't feel like at that stage, is it even necessary story to a medication history? That's something I need to clarify because I don't know what my role is. Um, in a patient dying, because I am not assisting them to die or anything. This is all managed by the palliative care team, so I'm not sure what my role is. I feel like it's a bit inappropriate to ask the patient what they're taking before they're going to hospital, because I I don't know how to approach it. Like, they're they're not going to go home. They're going to die. So I just feel like that's something I need to work on. Like, I I don't know how to act. I don't know what is my purpose in this area. And um, yeah, so back to my other patient that I had um, that was orange. Like, So she came back in and I feel like she was very acutely unwell. So they had several emergencies where they're called med calls, uh, where the patient is deteriorating. So she, when I walked in to work on Monday, I noticed that she didn't go home. She was supposed to go home on Friday because I remember... Uh, speaking to her while she was walking her around and saying how like oh she looks better and like how's she going and like uh, I think the doctor said that she might be going home on the weekend, so we were looking for I was like oh i was looking forward to it and I- and I said my goodbyes so um, and then one day I come in and I see her discharge medication still there. So she didn't actually go home. And I went back upstairs and I was like, oh, why is she still here? And I had a look at her notes and it's like, apparently, over the weekend, she lost about one liter of blood. Um, I think that was from her blood in the stools or from vomiting, but she was really unwell, needed several packs of blood in blood transfusions. And about like nine o'clock that day they called a met call on her because she was really hypertensive and not responsive so the, so when met calls happened the i c u outreach team out, i c u team come running I'm not sure if they come running but they come pretty fast to to wherever the met call is um and yeah, they just basically helped stabilize the patient if possible because my patient was had blood pressure i think they just gave her several amounts of fluids Um, i think it's a little bit hard for this patient because she's currently on some some fluid like getting like tablets to get rid of fluid um so she's a bit dehydrated but she's not allowed too much fluid so very complex patient now so i'm a bit sad to see her you know in the state that she is in I feel like they are sort of going to be palitating her which means, you know, they need someone to speak to her about her goals of care, what would they like, when would they want the med calls, so yeah, so very depressing, very sad, I feel like I don't know what difference I'm making. I really don't, I wish I had more guidance, like, sometimes I really don't know what I'm doing, that I end up doing things for other people that I shouldn't be doing. I do a lot of that just because I don't like getting yelled at. There's so many instances where I've been yelled at for not doing things. It's not really my job. <laughs> and it's not really my fault. There's people blaming me thing- for things that other people do and you know I think it just becomes a bit much like I'm just really over being like told off like you know I want to do my job but you're making me do these things that you know not necessary but you're yelling at me when I don't do them so I'm just in this limbo of where like I want to do my job but the people tell me that that's not my job or they tell me that they want me to do something that's not my job and then you know, I am just doing like I don't know what I'm doing. Identity do crisis. I don't know. I just really wish, you know, maybe I'm going for a slump. Like I'm really looking forward to the two almost two weeks of annual leave that's coming up next month. It couldn't be closer, but there's so many hurdles to jump like before that happens and things to do research to do and um just today i supplied like the additional documentation that i needed for one of the universities that i applied for and when i go back home to adelaide i need to scan in my copy of my japanese exchange program certificate Hopefully, it's still where I put it. Um, yeah, I am sorry. I don't know why I say it. I'm sorry, but, well, thank you for listening to my rant about work and how, I guess, stressful and, like, what, like, what, I don't know what that word, it's burdensome it is, like, I feel like in order to work in palliative care, or in palliative care settings, you really need to be detached from your patients. So, um, I feel like it's very dangerous when you get too close or when you, you, you know, you really want them to survive, even though their prognosis is not good. Like, uh, I don't know if it's just because I'm tired or just, you know, hormones going crazy, probably with both, but... Like, you know, hearing my patient, like, having a med call, I felt really sad, like, I felt really helpless and alone and depressed, like, almost depressed about the state of my patient, like, um, yeah, I had a good solid 15 minute to 20 minute cry in the staff room just about it, because... I don't know why I'm I'm like that, like, I shouldn't grow attached, I should keep my distance, you know, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I just feel like I want to be like that for everyone, because that's how you don't get hurt, maybe I'm just going back to like, commitment issues and stuff like that, and being insecure, but And long story short, try not to get attached to your patients because you're always gonna have new patients. And unfortunately, not all of your patients are going to survive, Um, especially in this kind of surgical ward that I'm on. Um, You just got to, you know, I don't know, like you just got to accept that maybe there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you can do to make them feel. Like get better, you can maybe help them feel pain free um, but their quality of life is just something that you really have to think about like do you want them to be pain free but a vegetable is that even what the patient wants so I guess it's really important for these family meetings that will need to happen to determine what is the goals of care for the patient and like no, it is sad. But it's also something I feel like you need to accept. And you know Life is life. Like who knows is what's gonna happen like after we die. Are we gonna be reborn into another body? Or are we gonna just be nothing? Like, I literally don't know. I mean, as sometimes you feel excited to not know. But what if it's worse on the other side? <laughs> like, imagine redoing your whole life and you knew about your previous life. There's actually one of the webtoons I'm reading at the moment. It's called See You In My 19th Life. Highly recommend. Um, it's about this girl that uh, keeps getting reborn and then she remembers her old memories from her previous lives. Pretty cool. Check it out on webtoons. Um, Anyway, I'm going to end this rant here because I probably need to sleep because I'm sleep deprived. Um, But yeah, thank you if you made it this far. You're really awesome for listening to my rant about nothing. Hopefully I haven't slipped in anyone's real names. Um, But yeah, that is the life of a surgical pharmacist. You see death and then you also get told that you're not doing your job and also get told when you're off for doing your job peace